this is Sarah DeLevesque, Editor-in-Chief of GAI News. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Arne Dust, CEO of High Path Consulting, and Jonah Kolb, Vice President of Moore & Warner Ag Group. The two have joined us today to address some of the issues they discussed in their recently released white paper called Beyond the Hype, How Agricultural Technology Wins Customers and Creates Value. Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. We're delighted to be on this morning. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering if you might explain just a quick summary of what um, this white paper is about and what inspired you to write the paper. So the, the white paper that Arna and I just released is, is titled Beyond the Hype, How Agricultural Technology Wins Customers and Creates Value. And in the paper, we really explore this challenge that we see happening in ag tech right now, which is uh, a set of headwinds to adoption from an end customer farmer perspective. And in the paper, we delve into some of the reasons that adoption is maybe slower on the farm than venture capitalists and startups may realize. Uh, and then we get into some of the strategy implications for what those investors and companies can do to speed adoption of new technologies. That's great. Uh, Arna, do you want to speak maybe to what inspired you all to write this? Yeah, I think what inspired us to write this white paper um, were our uh, personal impressions and experiences with the adoption of ag technology in the field. Uh, we're both involved with investors and different players in the value chain and also the farmers who actually use the technology. And we saw a big discrepancy there between what was portrayed as being uh, already implemented versus what was actually being done on the field. I think that was our starting point for developing this white paper. At Moore & Warner, we're in a little bit of a unique situation in that we go back and forth between the investment world for land investors and venture capital firms and then the actual production world where we manage thousands of acres for clients and work with dozens of operators. And the discrepancy that Arna is speaking about that we see would come from you know, attending a conference or speaking with an investor or a startup and hearing about how excited they were about a new ag tech product or functionality. And then in our day-to-day -day in our farm management business, going back to the farmers with whom we work on a daily basis and seeing that technology or that functionality either viewed with skepticism, maybe tried uh, and failing, or maybe not even uh, – that on the farm side, it may not even been something that, that the broader farmer population was aware of yet. And so that's part of that discrepancy that Arna was speaking to that, that we've seen in our own business. That's interesting. So it seems that the market players may not all be aware that the discrepancy exists. The title of your paper points to something that, that is of increasing concern across the sector and that we've heard more and more about, and that is this hype associated with ag tech. Uh, how do you both in the positions you are in and the work that you do, sort through the hype and identify technologies that offer legitimate value. Uh, Jonah, do you want to start? Sure. Um, the, the hype that I think comes up is probably for a few reasons. So one is related to capital inflows. Uh, AgFunder has done a great job of, of collating a lot of the capital raised and deployed within ag tech. Um, it's a big number. The number that they published for 2015 was, I want to say, north of $4 billion. That includes a pretty wide definition of ag tech, including food e-commerce that um, maybe some folks would argue shouldn't be included in that, that category. But So part of the hype comes from that capital inflow. I think part of that hype comes from valuations. 
Monsanto's acquisition of climate for almost a billion dollars um, really pinned and, and anchored valuations in this space in ways that uh, we could probably have a different discussion on how healthy that is for valuations. And then, you know, the third piece of hype comes to how much is ag tech actually going to disrupt what's going on uh, on the farm? And uh, that's something where we continue to see this disconnect. And for us, you know, identifying technologies that offer legitimate value comes down to in our management business as we manage across the Midwest and Great Plains. What technologies do we see that are actually driving return for our landowning clients or what technologies are adopted by farmers? And a lot of times those are the easy, simple, no-brainer technologies. So ones that are cheap, you can measure the ROI, uh, they have a systems plug-and-play capability. If we think about the history of ag, the technologies that have been adopted most rapidly, um, frankly, things like uh, trait engineering, genetic engineering uh, that comes in a bag of seed are ones that have really proven out their value and were easy to integrate in an ongoing farm operation. It's not been about total systems overhaul. And we continue to see those types of products gaining, gaining traction. So Highpass Consulting advises players uh, along the entire agriculture, uh, food, and also industrial value chain. And when we look at potential investments some of our clients may make or are considering, there are always two questions that we're asking ourselves. Um, how can we win with customers? So how easy can be the adoption process for farmers? And how can we make money with this value proposition? And um, those questions combined really give you a good answer of, you know, whether we think an investment would make sense or not. And um, the, 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 there are uh, the issues that Jonah just mentioned around the adoption. Uh, there's also an issue around farmers being approached with lots of different technologies. So they need to be very discerning around which ones they take forward and want to use. Uh, a lot of things have been promised to farmers in the past, and if all these things had come true, um, they would achieve amazing productivity gains and cost savings. But farmers are very, very discerning when it comes to selecting these new offerings, and there needs to, needs to be a clear differentiation. And in terms of making money, um, uh, sometimes I think I, I, I see the, the idea that Technology that has been developed in a different field, in, in the internet space, for example, um, is, is now being tried out in the ag industry where there might be the hypothesis that something like that could add value to. And the issue there is typically the uh, existing practices and the fact that the agricultural value chain is actually fairly complex, uh, which frequently causes a lot of issues in this, in this respect. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. What are farmers feeling that you've been working with? I mean, are they wary of the technology? We we hear often about so many so much technology. How do I decide? Or do you think they're still very anxious to find new new ways to disrupt or to enhance their their business through ag tech? Sure. And and Sarah, you said are they wary of technology? And sometimes wary has a dual meaning. It can it can either mean uh, tired of or it can mean hesitant or potentially afraid of. Um, and I would say that there's actually a lot of excitement about the potential for technology. The farmers that we work with are incredibly progressive. Farmers are, are technology adopters by and large. 
Um, what's going on right now, though, is that there's so much new technology coming on the market in unproven business models with technology and systems, hardware and software that may or may not work or maybe is still in a beta stage, that it's uh, at times overwhelming. And it's not overwhelming because it's technology. It's overwhelming because of the velocity and the volume of innovation that's coming into ag uh, that a farmer needs to sort through. You know, for most farmers, uh, they run very complex day-to-day -day operations. Uh, they don't have a chief technology officer. And so when it comes down to a decision like, should I reconsider running a farm management software that does all of my accounting and farm records and all these other pieces, you know, going through a a deep technology dive and evaluating systems compatibility across a number of op uh, options is really a major undertaking. And so the wariness that we see just comes from there are all these offerings. Some of them work. Some of them don't. I have guys knocking on my door asking us to participate in a beta trial or offering a free product for one year. You know, where do I pick and choose? Because not only is, is capital um, and money and working capital for expenses scarce, but, but so is time. So that's where I think the wariness comes from. It's not a reluctance necessarily uh, to adopt new technology. Adding to what Jonah just said, um, it, it is true that farmers are very open to technology. However, you know, like with any other technology adoption, um, there are different groups of farmers in terms of their interest and openness to technology. And we showed that with Jeffrey Moore's chasm model, which we have in the white paper as well, uh, you know, which you know actually uh, was developed in the agriculture space originally. But you always have a small amount of innovators and early adopters that are open to these new technologies, uh, which is great and which, would, which is definitely what we're seeing. And this is a start. The issue that we see right now is how farmers can bridge the chasm or the gap from going from uh, from these early adopters to the early majority. Coming back to my earlier comment in terms of how to make money, that is where really the money lies with any of these technologies that are being rolled out. And and that's the critical thing, I think, that is happening in the industry right now, how to bridge that chasm, uh, how to go from people that are very interested and very open anyway to people that are on the sidelines watching very closely what's going on, but who let other people do the experimenting and the trying out of new technologies and who will then decide once a new standard or a new technology has been established. It's about gaining the trust of these people and getting them to buy into the value proposition. Arna, I, I appreciate you making that, that clarification because it's an important one. When, when we see and talk about farmers being very open to technology, it's almost at more of a conceptual level, and it's very different than the purchasing decision, which you're you're touching on. And so, yeah, we see general optimism around all new technology innovation, but then when it comes down to, am I going to pay for it, that's where you start to have those adoption curve issues uh, that, that Arne is discussing. You're getting into this discussion of the chasm between early adopters and early majority adopters that you focus on in your paper. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what factors might be working against farmer adoption. We cover a, a number of headwinds in the white paper, but a couple that, that are worth touching on here. Um, one, from an adoption standpoint, even 
technology-forward farmers, uh, a, a number of them have the reality that retirement is somewhere on maybe the near to medium-term time horizon. Uh, if you look at the demographics of the American farmer, 62% uh, of farmers are, are over the age of 55. And that means that even for promising technologies, if you have retirement on the near-term horizon, the modeling and decision-making that you do around systems change and investing in new technology is probably a little bit different. So that's, that's one. Um, another headwind from an adoption standpoint is if we're looking at the row crop production system, uh, you really have one growing season per year, uh, not only in the U.S. and in much of the world. And so depending on what technology offering you have, that means, one, you may only have one time a year that you can make a sale to a farmer because your technology may be related to a specific uh, field event or activity. And two, from a development standpoint, depending on how widely dispersed your development team is, you may only be able to learn and innovate and include new information in your R&D process once a year because you have to go through a full crop cycle. So those are at least two headwinds that I'll pull out from, from our white paper for the purposes of, of highlighting for you, Sarah. Another headwind is just the... Um, general industry situation at the moment, the level of farm incomes that have come down since the uh, commodity cycle ended a few years ago. Um, I think if, if these technologies were going into the market in maybe 2007 and 2008 when uh, ag commodity prices were significantly higher than now, uh, I think you would find a different environment uh, and also a different level of interest for these technologies. You talk about the headwinds, but in your paper, you also offer six steps for ag tech to cross this chasm. Arne, does any one of these stand out as the most impactful for adoption to you? I think the very first one in our white paper, which is called Justify the Value Added by Ag Tech Products, is the most critical one. Um, a lot of um, products come with great promises, but these promises have not been verified either in a field trial or maybe even through a scientific study. I think in other industries, this is a given that you uh, need to go through the efforts to demonstrate that this product you know, is producing certain results under certain conditions. Um, and um, I think this needs to be absolutely established before a product can be rolled out. Do you see that as bringing to the farmer results of scientific trials or what, what format does that come in? It could be a scientific trial. Um, it, it could also be um, asking farmers maybe, you know, if the company is not at that stage yet, to participate in these trials instead of just asking farmers to, you know, try out the product. I think you need to generate ex ex you know, a high level of acceptance and um, credibility in the field, and, you know, before the product can go out, and that can be done together with farmers. But, you know, the results need to be clear uh, and to the extent that there's complicated, you know, mathematical models or whatever behind some of these products, you know, that needs to be validated as well. To what extent, it, it might just be better to listen to your neighbor and see how much nitrogen the neighbor is applying to his field versus using a complicated, uh, uh, you know, mathematical formula, which basically has only marginal impact on the outcome. 
you know, and that also has to do with nitrogen prices right now, for example. So there needs to be a common sense approach around, you know, whether using a sophisticated system is really that much better than using, uh, you know, operational standards that have been there for a very long time. Gentlemen, this has been very interesting, and I thank you for your time. I, I think this is a really, uh, not only an interesting white paper to read, but it's, I think it's really impactful and offers some great strategies. So I, I look forward to our listeners getting the opportunity to read it. Thank you both. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.